This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today's guest is a GoBundance member named Paul Tanso, fairly recent GoBundance member. I always love talking to some of the newer guys. He's a husband, a father, a multifamily real estate investor, and a recently unemployed man. He left his W-2 job. Got some background in software that's really interesting as well that we'll dive into. But Paul, welcome, man. Great to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Absolutely. We were jamming a bit on uh, on where I live for a while, where you live now, kind of that New England area, Boston, Southern New Hampshire, all of that stuff. But let's go back to the beginning for you. Are you where are you from? Give us kind of the backstory of of you. Where are you from? What do you do? All of that good stuff. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in Massachusetts. I grew up in a in a town called Malden, uh, Malden, Mass. Lived there all my life. I've never really left New England. I've uh, been here my whole life. Uh, but uh, got married uh, back around. 98 and uh had a bunch of kids got three kids now and lived in massachusetts up until maybe seven years ago we moved to northern uh, southern new hampshire mainly for schools so we will live in windham now okay the the uh interesting thing about massachusetts for me boston in particular was i loved everything about it except for it had one flaw and i wonder if you know i wonder if you know what that flaw is one major flaw it's the uh, it's the home of the New England Patriots. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm wondering is that your team? If it is, we'll cut the interview right now. But what is your are the Patriots? Are you a loyalist? Are you talking about? <laughs> That's yeah. your spot. That's your team. I, yeah. So I'm not a huge sports fan, although because my kids are heavily into hockey, um, I follow the Bruins. So I watch the Bruins actually, which uh, sure. up until probably five years ago, I don't think I ever watched a full game of anything other than the Super Bowl. <laughs> and yeah. I was mainly for the commercials. <laughs> That's acceptable. I actually, I'm a bit of a Bruins fan myself. I used to love going down to French Street to the greatest bar or the harp before the game, oh, yeah. watch, yeah. you know, do some of the pregame and then go in. I actually, it's funny, this morning going to the gym, I wore a Bruins sweater here in, in, in Red Wing territory. But uh, wow. yeah, not like a super fan, but enough of a fan where I, I keep an eye on them. So, okay, this is acceptable. We can continue. Okay. Everything's good. <laughs> Good. All right. Pass so, so you you recently left the W two job. What was that W two? What were you doing? How long were you there? So, I was in customer success, which is around um, subscription based software, and essentially helping clients get the most out of their subscription. So, essentially seeking ROI, right? So, uh, bringing customers up to speed in the cloud and teaching them about best practices and making sure that uh, they're getting the most from. Uh, the money that they're they're spending on whatever it is they're subscribing to. My um, specialty has been around front office, so sales, marketing, customer service. So CRM mm-hmm. is really where my focus has been. My job that I just left was around um, database, so data warehousing, something that I didn't have a lot of background in. Uh, sort of could spell it, <laughs> but that's about it. Uh, and didn't really dig it. And um, I think if I had stayed, so I, the company I left to go there was Oracle. I'd worked for or, with for Oracle for about eight years, 10 years. And I actually enjoyed it, enjoyed the work, and uh, was very proficient and probably would have stayed a little bit longer if it weren't for the fact that I just was not enjoying this job. Didn't need to work anymore. So it was one of those things like, well, I've been talking to a whole bunch of people lately doing a lot of networking through GoBundance and, and outside of GoBundance with people. And we're talking about putting together a syndication or some kind of a fund or doing just doing so much in this software idea I have that I said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm wasting my time at my W2. I need to break free of it, recreate myself and just go for it big. So that's what I've been doing. And I can't believe, but for the past two weeks, I thought I'd have some free time to maybe just take a week off, do some mountain biking or whatever. And More I have been busier than anything. Ever. It's just been amazing. No, it's funny. On uh, for Emergent Ascend, so we're recording this late March of 2022. Uh, just so, I, is it been two weeks? You literally just left. You've been gone for two weeks. Yeah. 
two weeks. Oh, wow. So you are fresh. Like you got that fresh. new, newly unemployed smell on you. I like that. So second week. <laughs> for the Emerge and Ascend program, we had uh, Rachel Gainsbury come in and speak. She, uh, a prior episode, she's actually one of our most listened to episodes on short-term rental. Uh, and she just left her job. And I left my job a year ago, right? And the thing that I, I that happened to me when I, everybody's like, take a break, take a month or two. I'm like, that sounds great. You know, I'm going to do that. But it just didn't seem possible. Rachel said the same thing. She's a month out of her job at the time of this recording. And it was the same thing. Like, I, I, I'm busier than I've ever been. And now you're saying that as well. What is it about? Like, why are you busier than you've ever? I mean, you don't have a 40 hour a week block of time being taken up anymore. Like, that's free now. So how the hell are you busier now? I'm curious. <laughs> I, this is a real question because I had the same thing and I don't know if I could articulate it, but what's making you busier now than you ever have been? Oh, man. So I think I, I briefly mentioned that I'm uh, developing uh, a software concept that I had worked on for a number of years I used in my own business for doing underwriting. Yeah. And uh, I want to actually share it with the world. I think it, you know everybody I've ever shared it with has said, this is amazing, helps me sort of underwrite really quickly. But it's Excel-based and it's really complex to use. So because of my software background, I know I can simplify this and throw it out there for the world. So I said, well, I've been working for about a month and a half, maybe two months with a company I hired through Upwork to help me do the development side of the software concept. And it was like trying to, you know, herd cat, you know, cats to get time with this person to finish my design and my software spec. And now that I have the time, I have been spending three, four hours a day every morning doing that. Uh, I took a real estate course. And so I'm trying to get my real estate agent license. Yeah. Um, I've been doing a ton of networking. And now that I have the time, I've been going out and seeing properties and just doing stuff. I used to have this uh, very strict regimen every morning, almost like the, the morning routine there, uh, millionaire morning. Beautiful but morning. it was yeah, really... Sure. For probably 20 years, I've been going to Starbucks every morning. I sit in my car outside of Starbucks and I, I do a, you know, 10 minutes of mindfulness, meditation, whatever. I'd read. I'd make sure I got my reading in and I'd plan my day and then I'd go off to work. But because I was going to a W2, it was a little bit like oh, no rush, right? I can get there at nine, nine 30, whatever. Now I'm sitting there. I'm saying, I can't believe I'm sitting here in my car. I'm wasting time. I can be back in my office and yeah, it's like. <laughs> I have all the time in the world now. I could sit here and read for hours if I wanted to. And now I feel like I'm wasting my precious time because I'm hoping to carve out some time in the afternoon to get out and actually work out, go for a walk or a mountain bike or something, spend some time with my wife. And just this past two weeks has not been there. Sergio Altamari, I don't know if you met him or not, but he's out of uh, Philadelphia. He quit his job. He was a, a... uh, something with the Fed, I forget the exact name of it, but he, um, uh, like a in in IT or IT security, cybersecurity with the Fed, but he left. And I remember when I was going to leave, he said, "Man, that first year, he's like, I I woke up, I I worked, and then the day ended. Like it was just, it was like I, I didn't really get serious about about being, you know, like a, a a business myself or an entrepreneur until like year two. Not even serious, but like I didn't figure out my cadence until then. Is mm-hmm. what he meant." And that's where I'm just now starting to like, I've been, I'm a year in uh, about nine, 10 days, right? It's my official last day that I worked a year ago. And I'm just starting to get into a rhythm because it's funny you say that. I, same thing, a miracle morning every, every damn morning. But now it's like, no, I'm up, I'm ready to go. Like, you know, like Sundays aren't like this countdown to deep breath, sigh, go into it anymore. Like Sunday's like, come on, come on, Monday, come on, Monday. Like I want to get this going, right? So it's amazing the difference, amazing the difference. So let me ask you, you said you're, you don't need to have your job. Um, so you decided to leave at this point. How long was that the case? How long were you, you know, like what's the soonest that you could have left in the current financial situation that you're in where you didn't need the job? Has it been a year, two years, three months? Did you just hit that? Ability to be completely financially free. Like, how long were you working while financially free? Man, I think three or four years. Why? Uh, I enjoyed the work. I will say that. And I like being busy. I find that if I have a packed schedule, finding that extra 15, 20 minutes to practice my guitar or get a workout or do the extra work on the side to develop some software concept or whatever it is. I can actually wedge in a little bit of time because I'm actually get more structure in my day. Sure. I have to start at you know eight o'clock, nine o'clock, and work until five, six, or whatever. I have more structure, so I was 
busier and more productive. I did test retiring, semi-retiring back before the pandemic, and I failed miserably. <laughs> I was I was miserable uh, every day. I woke up and I just I didn't implement the structure. And uh, I couldn't wait to go back to work. So I returned back to Oracle and uh, got another opportunity and stupidly left and hated it. So here I am. But this time, I think I'm going to do it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, yeah, it, it, like the structure thing, it's it's funny. It's like uh, you can prepare for uh, for anything, but you have to you have to jump into the water at some point, right? I, I always liken it to having kids. Like, okay, I'm going to have kids. I understand I need to feed them and bathe them and take care of them. And they're not going to sleep initially, but you can't yeah. understand not sleep until you don't sleep, right? Like you can't, you can't plan for that. Like you can, you can understand intellectually that this is going to happen, but then when you don't, and especially for moms, right. But when you don't, and then it's like, oh my God, there's no end to this. Like I can't give this kid to anyone else. Like I got to deal with this again tomorrow. Like I got to face the day. Like, Everybody that's expecting yeah. things of me, right? You don't know that until you do it. And then you figure it out. And it's the same thing with leaving your job. I feel like you left. Now you're in this, in this, it's this great concept of vacuum prosperity. You've removed something and that's why you're busy now. All this, all these other things are coming in. This other prosperity is coming in, but yeah, like finding your way in that doesn't happen until you do it. I mean, people want to prepare and prepare and prepare and prepare. I like anything until you jump in, you're not going to really be able to find your, your rhythm until you, until you do that. So Kudos to you, man. Was, That's amazing. I was listening to the 728 podcast a couple yeah. weeks back, and Daniel had mentioned, he said something like, uh, making that transition, let's say from going from seven, seven to eight, right? You, you, you're a different person, or that the person at that eight level needs to be a different person than the person at the seven level. I've heard that concept before where he's like, you have to, you have to kill that person and recreate yourself to become the person that you know the eight-figure guy is, right? And I think when you are now, you know, a full-time entrepreneur with, you know, I've got the passive income to support my lifestyle the rest of my life. I don't need to work, but I would go insane if I was not busy at least four or five, six hours a day and with something challenging, something I enjoy doing. That's why I picked up the software project and started doing the real estate class. And just because I knew in preparation for this, that I need to have something with some structure to it, you know, with some pressure, with some accountability for some period of time until I figure things out. Maybe something else will happen that will keep me busy in a different direction. But it's so true. Like you really have to spend some time and think about that, that person that you want, that, that you want to be, or that what are the, what are the things that you need to do on a daily basis to become that person that you think you want to be? <laughs> no, that makes sense. Agree. Completely agree. No, absolutely. It's the it's the habits that you put in place. One day you look up and you're like, oh wow, I just did this thing every day, and then you end up being whatever that those habits create for you. Um, as far as uh, well, I was going to ask you a bit about about going back into into your your <clears throat> investing career. Let's go there. There was another question, but I'm going to go here. So let's let's talk about your your uh, background. When did you start? You're in multifamily. When did you start doing that, and and why? I guess like when when did this multifamily sort of side hustle begin and what was the reason for it? What started it? I started in 2013, bought my first flip with three friends, two friends. And it's it's funny, my investing started when I was 20 uh, in the stock market in mutual funds, 401k, IRA, uh, that a boss that I had at the time told me, you know, pulled me aside one day and you knew I was a young 20. 20 year old punk that didn't know anything. And he said, I want you to make sure that you enroll in the 401k and you put at least 3% of your salary in there. And then every time you get a raise, I want you to bump it by whatever the raise is. Don't increase your lifestyle. You still live at home with your mother. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want you to put, if you're a 2% raise, you better increase your 401k by 2%. And I invested in 401k and was the biggest proponent. Once I saw it, started seeing it build up, I, saw, I was the biggest proponent. Everybody I talked to, you have to do 401k. And uh, around 2000 uh, is I had about $100,000 of my own saved money in a 401k. And I joined this company called Siebel Systems. And they gave me 5,000 shares of stock options. And the company had just taken off. The stock went through the roof, split three or four times. 
I was worth $3 million on paper, uh, you know, with those options, right? In two years. Yeah. And then the stock market crashed and I was doing stupid things with my stock. Um, I had taken some of it, but I also left it in the company stock and I was also leveraging margin and I was buying Lucent and all the stuff that actually took the biggest beating. Mm. I lost everything and owed the money. I owed money. Um, in fact, my 401k was worth 40,000. <laughs> so it went from a hundred to 40. That's how much of a beating because I was investing in all kinds of, you know, tech stock. Sure. Um, at the time when I had all that money, all of my friends were telling me buy real estate, buy real estate. And I said, no, I know what I'm doing. Stock market's going to make me a multimillionaire. I'm going to stay in the stock. Well, it took me years to recover from losing everything and i had to pay the government back like twenty five thousand in taxes for the, for the options that i quote unquote earned right uh even though there was nothing left of it so you know it took me quite a long time um one thing i did that was smart in 08 when the stock market crashed again when four and wells fargo and all these companies were worth you know a dollar two dollars three dollars i took my entire 401k that was 40 still forty thousand dollars I traded it all in for, for all these stocks that had crashed and built it back. Like, you know, within a couple of years, it was, it was back. But, you know, lesson learned, right? So three or four of my very close friends, very similar to like the GoPods we have, were all in real estate. And they all finally convinced me that I need to start thinking about real estate. So I convinced a couple of them to show me the ropes. We went in on a flip. Made some nice money. Right after that, I bought a condo within six months. Bought a condo with another one of the friends. And uh, it wasn't really making any money. So I decided to get out of that within a year and bought my first four unit um, back in, in 2015. Where I are my these? first? Are these all uh, like Boston Metro? Yeah. Yep. The first flip was in Andover, Mass. Mm, beautiful town. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, we did really well on that. We did nothing to it. <laughs> it was funny as hell. Uh, we were showing, we, we actually, so a quick story. We bought it from one of my buddy's family friends uh, who were just old and needed to go to a, a um, facility. And so they sold it to us for a decent price. And we started going around with a realtor looking at other examples of properties and to figure out what level we want to bring this thing to. And the realtor said, I could sell this thing for you for a hundred thousand more than you paid for it, like without you doing anything to it. So we said, "Well, we'll give you the listing for a couple of weeks. We'll see what you can do." He had it sold the next week. So we made our money. More? Yeah, we made our money. And we walked away with, you know, I probably made twenty-five, thirty grand, something like that, off, off that between the no three effort. of us. Yeah. And I thought, oh, God, this is easier. Right? <laughs> Again, falling back into the stock market example. This is easy. Uh, anyway, so. Um, Bought a condo uh, in Londonderry, New Hampshire, sure. and uh, kept that for a little, little while. But I was making about a hundred dollars a month cash flow, and I just thought that's not that's not great. Mm. So I ended up going to a bunch of real estate meetups in Manchester, and met a woman from my town who, you know, was also she was a big investor, had over a hundred units herself, and she was doing real estate stuff on the side. So she took me around and helped me find my first four unit and uh, bought it in like I said, 2015. And uh, I've been buying one or two properties every year since. Are these uh, like two, two, three, and four unit or are they are they bigger? What, what's, what does the pro- portfolio look like today? Uh, the next couple after that were three units, then I bought a 12, uh, I've got a 13 or 14, and I've got a 20. So they've been getting, you know, progressively bigger. And where are are these all New Hampshire, Southern New Hampshire, Massachusetts? Where are these? These are all in New Hampshire. All in New Hampshire. Yep. Okay. So, value add workforce type housing. Like, what what do they look like? They're all value add apartments. So, like I said, I've got uh, some pretty nice um, four units, three units. Then I've got a, a, a apartment building downtown Nashua, in the historic mm-hmm. district. Sure. Uh, with, with that's a mixed use. So there's commercial on the first floor and then there's 11 units, uh, second and third floor. 
then uh, a little further north up in Hillsbury, Hillsboro, uh, bought um, some regular, you know, I think there's two six units side by side. And then I bought a 20 unit, which is like a, a, an old converted mill that uh, pretty nice little property. So that type of stuff. When's the last time you purchased a property? I'm curious. Just uh, in November. In November. Okay. And this is all. So it, it, I mean, I'm just going with progress since when I left Massachusetts a few years ago. 93 was expanding. There was more and more migration northward up into southern New Hampshire, where you are, Pelham, Salem, up into Manchester. It was just, you know, a wider highway. I think still most of it is. So people were leaving high tax Massachusetts for zero state income tax uh, uh, New Hampshire. So with that being the case, and you're nodding your head saying that's that's kind of what's been happening still, how are you finding deals? Because you're taking the the Massachusetts low cap rate environment and you're expanding it up, I would assume, into southern New Hampshire. So how are you finding deals? Is it because you're in a like a Nashua, which is a bit more workforce? Like what what is it that you're how are you finding deals <laughs> in that market? Uh you know, I started doing the thing that probably everybody does beginner. You're looking on Zillow constantly and you're looking at all those places. You're, you're reaching out to brokers. Um, so I, I still do a lot of that. Although sure. I can honestly say I don't think I've ever found a property through MLS or Zillow or any of that stuff. I've found them through people. It's networking. People that uh, know other investors. And they know they're selling and they just happen to have their license so they can you know buy and sell, help me buy and sell. The last port, I just bought a portfolio, about a 51 unit portfolio hmm. from my um, real estate uh, property manager. <laughs> so, my broker, who she works for Berkshire, but she does like a lot of her own little networking and she does mostly uh, investor type stuff. Sure. So, she's brought me around and helped me buy my last couple of properties. And so, she, it was funny, she found this portfolio for me. I did the analysis. Said, "Wow, this is looks like an amazing deal." So I called my property manager to make sure he would actually take it on. And he said, "Where are those?" And I told him where he were. He goes, "That's my portfolio." <laughs> he hadn't even agreed to sell it yet. She was. She heard he might want to sell because he was looking at a bunch of condos that he wanted to buy, and he was trying to figure out if he was going to get the money for it. Yeah. She said, "Why don't you sell that portfolio?" So he. We finally, it took months for me to convince him to sell it, but he finally did. And uh, I think we started in July. And wow. finally in November, uh, I bought it from him. <laughs> and he, and yeah. It was the strangest um, stabilization ever. Because, you know, if you, if you bought multifamily before, I did my own property management up until June of last year. Mm. And so when I turned it over to him, I would go in with the estoppel letters and I'd go in and read introduce myself to everybody i'd get them all converted over to my property management system which was buildium all on epay it'll take on all the you know get my team in there to you know help start ramping up the building and, and revitalize it he already had it under management so all i did was at the closing i just went home i didn't get keys i didn't get anything it was the weirdest thing <laughs> Well, this, I'm curious. Money like, now. <laughs> was it mom and pop operated? Like, what was the upside? Like, was he not raising rents to a certain level yeah. as the owner and manager? So you had to tell the manager that owned it you weren't charging enough. Bump it. Is that what happened when you when you bought it? So we're we're doing that now. Um, That's he, funny. Well, he bought it. He bought it as so he bought it as part of a, even a larger portfolio. Yeah. And his goal was to sort of sell off some of the stuff to pay for you know so he got all, recouped all his cash. And uh, he did actually go in initially and he redid all the units and he bumped the rents because they were super low when he bought it. And he's just owned it. He owned it for four or five years. And he really, he bought it for probably 40 or 50,000 a unit. Oh my God. I just paid 80,000 a unit. And I'm telling you right now. Yeah. I'm telling you (laughs) that I think that, so here's the, the, because it was an odd uh, it's four buildings yeah. made up 51 units. Sure. When the appraisers, two different appraisers, go to do the appraisals, they asked me for my analysis, my you know my uh, performers and everything. So I gave it to them, and I only did like the larger one for the entire four units as a, as a whole. When he asked me for that, I had to go back and do the individual buildings, and I broke it out, you know, based on what I saw for 
revenue for each of them. And I came up for, for the 20 unit as an example, I came up with 1.5 million for a value. Mm-hmm. He came back, first time it's ever happened. He told me it was worth 1.6. And I went, that's <laughs> the first time. Up. Up. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first time I've ever had an appraiser come in higher than, you know, you, you were asking for, from for, for uh, debt, right? Crazy. I knew right away. Um, I did some analysis on rents in that area. And I knew as an example, let's say I've got a, Two bedroom, we get eleven hundred for. Yeah, in that area, rents should be thirteen fifty. We've just started to go through. You know, I've got a probably two year, three year run because I don't want to kill people yeah. with three, four, five hundred dollar increases. Sure. So we'll do on turns. We'll, we'll increase them, and uh, we'll bump on re- rent on lease renewals, and we'll get them up to someplace close. Sure, somewhere at, in the middle. At, yeah, at that level, that building's worth two point two, two point three. Easy, right? Crazy. I mean, overnight. Yeah. <laughs> a building, I bought two 16-unit buildings in Manchester in 2019, at the end of 2019, for 60000 a unit. Mm-hmm. Went in and renovated each of the units. I just had it appraised for 1.6, and I know it's probably worth 1.9 to 2.2. You know, I'm seeing stuff now that's not even as nice. Going for one ninety a unit. 190. I know. I don't know where the prices are coming from, but it's crazy. It is crazy. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I know interest rates are ticking up. Um, you know, I've had some conversations with guys who may see, say they're projecting, they may see a stalemate. Like sellers are expecting big dollars. Buyers are saying, yeah, but, you know, interest rates going up, it kind of limits my cash flow. So sellers are, you know, like, nah, I, I got to get what I got to get for this thing. Buyers are only going to pay X. So there might be a stalemate as far as, uh, 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 buying, uh, buying, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, the amount of buying that's going on, uh, volume, buying volume, I should say. But I mean, I, I don't, I don't see in the workforce housing market. I struggle to see some black cloud hanging over it that 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 takes it down. Right? There's still high demand. There's no development in that space. There isn't low income. There is in the in the uh, A class stuff, but there's nothing in workforce from a develop. It just the numbers don't make sense to develop in that in that sector. But there's still a ton of demand for it. So, yeah, I, you know, nothing's recession proof. Things will go down, go up, whatever. But I mean, if you're if you're hedging, it feels like the most secure asset class within the multifamily realm. At least that's my take. So, I love the point on networking. That's near and dear to my heart. In fact, now that you're you're bringing me back, man, I remember going to a. a, a I started before I moved, going to a RIA meeting in Chelmsford. I don't know if you ever went there. It was like yeah, a holiday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd go there, you know, once a month or whatever, great group of people, but there's so much power in that, whether it's finding deals or whatever the case may be. You, uh, joined GoBundance about what, four months ago, I guess, at this point, four or five months at the time of the, that recording this, uh, what was the reason for joining and what's it, what's the experience been for you from a, a networking and integration standpoint? So, you know, it's funny. I heard this a lot. Uh, I was very skeptical initially. Um, felt like, you know, I'm not really sure what I'm getting into, yeah, the Illuminati. I, it's like, well, yeah, I, yeah. yeah right. I, uh, <laughs> I interviewed probably four or five members before I decided to join. And one of the things that I felt that I was telling my friends, my close friends, who, you know, again, had this sort of like close-knit group of friends we talk almost every single day, invest together, everything. I was starting to, they were telling me, Paul, you, you, what's going on with you? All you're focused on is business and, and success. And like, you need to slow down. You're constantly throwing stuff at us and like we just want to relax and i thought this either something wrong with me or i need to find another group that can continue to motivate me to the next level and like it's you know what i love about abundance are the, the five pillars it's not just about money it's it's about you know family and it's about you know life adventure and there's more to it i have to say i was probably more focused on the success and the business than anything else so I needed that balance, but I also needed to be around people who are just as focused on self-improvement and challenge and sharing their ideas and their, uh, their learnings, people on a regular basis, people that I can look to and say, wow, like that guy's a woman, you know, way ahead of me. I want to learn from them. Right. I don't want to be the, the, the smartest guy in the room and not that I am, but I mean, I just, I want to be the guy who's wow, look at what he's doing. I wonder if I can go ask him a few questions and see if I can learn from him, you know? And so that brought me in and 
the, the, the stories that were shared with me by some of the members at the time before I joined were almost exactly the same. It's like, yeah, I reached a point where I, I needed more and I wasn't. So the other great thing about this is it's a self-selected group, right? These are people who um, have chosen to join and pay a pretty high fee to join. So it's a pretty high barrier of entry. Uh, we know that, you know, people are also on the same playing field or above. Yeah. Going to the RIA, right? For example, I would go to the RIAs and uh, our meetups and it, a lot of newbies, a lot of people who had never done this before. And you're going, oh, I have a pretty, pretty successful portfolio already. What am I going to learn from these people who are, haven't bought their first deal yet? <laughs> sure. sure. You can give a ton, but I mean, that's great. And I know that we all enjoy it. Contribution is one of our, by the way, yep. six pillars. You said five. I just had to correct you. Oh, sorry. It's one of our, <laughs> but knew, to your so point, get away with that. <laughs> no, I know, but you got it. You got to get, um, you have to get as well, right? You have to be in a room where, yeah, I want to give as much as I can, but I also need to, you know, I need to grow myself. I have a need for myself to grow and be around those people. That makes total sense. It's funny. The, the, um, that lone wolf syndrome or whatever it is. I heard this said, there's a guy that I've gotten to know named David Nurse. He's a, he's a, a NBA shooting coach, mindset coach. He's coached like 150 NBA players. Fascinating guy. He wrote a book called Breakthrough. And he said something in the book that really resonated for me in terms of GoBundance. And that is that, you know, people in our life, the ones that were saying to you, what's, you know, what's going on with you? You're only focused on this and that. You got to slow down, right? It's not that they vilify or, or, I mean, I hope they don't, or, or, you know, don't appreciate you, but they just, they know you for who you are. They're focused on you and keeping you safe right there. You have plenty of people around you that are focused on you, your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your friends, whatever. Right. What I found in GoBundance are guys that are focused on my breakthrough, right? It's not on me per se, but it's on like, we want to see the future version of you, whatever you're trying to achieve. I'm focused on that with you, right? I want to hold you accountable to it. I want to be there and celebrate it with you. And I want to be there to say, absolutely. What you want is not weird. It's not strange. Yeah. Let's go to, let's go together for this, right? That's the, that's the thing you can't really articulate. I think um, when you hear, you know, it's 10 or 15 grand to join plus the events. And like you said, it's a big dollar entry, right? But once you're in there, I don't know. I'm curious. Did GoBundance have anything to do with you leaving your job? Was there anything that you connect or was it like nah, kind of a natural progression anyway? I think it, it was a natural progression, but I think it gave me a little bit more confidence to know that I can do anything I want. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I've always sort of had that feeling anyway, that you know, inside, even so I came from uh, say a broken home, but my mother and father got divorced when I was young. Um, for a while, we spent some time on welfare and never had, really had any money growing up. And uh, so, you know, I just sort of felt like at some point in my life, I'm going to be successful somehow, some way. And uh, so I knew like, okay, I just have to have the confidence in myself to just go for it. Right. And seeing so many other people around me doing it, I'm like, this isn't that hard. I mean, it's really just a matter of when you break it down, it's it's really just a matter of putting one foot in the other. You just have to take the steps every day to to get to that next level you sit and do nothing you go to your w2 every day it's not going to happen yeah right yeah yeah one of the smartest things i did without knowing it was joining before i i ended up quitting like i, I you know some guys are like wow well, you know, once i'm out of my job then i'm going to jump in it's like you can do that but for me I, I mean i was two years before i quit you were a few months but to your point like it wasn't like something was said or something happened or there was a moment where somebody said oh wow that that's the thing that unlocked me from my job it was a progression up to that point but having having this sort of i don't know this ability to trust fall into this group of guys at the time that i left and having built some community with them and some and you know built a network with them to your point, part of the reason why I was busier than ever when I left my job is because all of a sudden all these opportunities started coming to me from other yeah. guys who knew me and were around me and they have the opportunities uh, uh, that they felt I'd be a good fit for. And I'm like, no, no, you know, no, 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 no. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, that sort of thing. So no, that's yeah. interesting, man. I'm happy heard, I listened to um, Better For Better or For Worse. I love Grant Cardone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and just because he has taught me so much, he's put it into a different language if you will so some of the complexities of investing and the confidence in in investing he's put it into a different language which i just i've read probably 10 or 15 books on real estate investing and i got more out of his listening to his podcast anyway i forget what i was going to say now 
uh, Grant Cardone about uh, uh, quitting the job, being around community, trust falling into oh, proximity. Into proximity. It yes. Was, he said, "Pay for proximity." It was one of his. One of his. You know, he said it all the time. Yeah. And I, I didn't really get what he was talking about at first. Like, look, when you when you you pay to go to an event, there's a barrier to entry, right? So the people that are there are all interested in the same or very similar things. And so whether you pay to go to an event or you pay for someone's time to mentor or whatever it is, um, you're not going to get that, you know, by sitting back and going to the free RIAs and that kind of thing. Um, it's, a, it's a, not the right mix, right? What do you, what you're seeking out in this particular case, I'm looking for people who can help and challenge me that are interested in the same types of things, whether it be real estate investing or starting a business. And I looked at that fee and I said, okay, Grant Cardone's voice rang in the back of my head. And uh, I said, okay, what's the worst that can happen? It, you know, I don't find value in it and I don't join the next year. Right. right but right. what are the what are the best things that can happen? Yeah. Oh my God, it's it's limitless, right? Right. right. Yeah, no, that's true. Grant Cardone's been on another level in the last year. It feels like too, like he's—I mean, obviously he's done. He's been successful for a long time, but it feels like he's like hockey sticked up. Like his his knowledge, the stuff he's articulating now, like he's yeah. just like he's like that uh, Minority Report. You ever see Minority like with Tom Cruise, like he's <laughs> doing things on a screen? He's just like, my God, he's in the zone right now. So no, that's a great example. And I, yeah, same as me. Like I remember I've said this before on the podcast, but I say Illuminati. That's what I thought. Like, what's a mastermind? Like, what, what, what is this thing? What am I joining? Like, you know, do we do we have to sacrifice chickens? Like what, what happens in this thing? It doesn't make any sense to me. And then to your point, yeah, it's like, I remember at the time it was 7,000. It since has jumped up to 10. Even then there was like, wow, seven grand plus these events and all that other stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I keep coming back. I keep paying. I just paid my, 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 uh, my re-up recently. So, you know, I keep coming back because I can, one, I can tangibly look at financial reward as a result. So if I've spent $70,000, let's say over four years, which is more than I have, but like in, in tuition and events and all of that stuff, man, I mean, in equity alone, I'm over a hundred thousand dollars. You know what I mean? In equity and deals that I've done with other, with other, other, uh, GoBundance members, partnerships I've done, um, so that's that. But more than that, it's to your point, like leaving the job, the lifestyle that I've that, that I've been able to procure as a result of that, uh, some of the opportunities that have come across. So, yeah, that's a great point by by Uncle G, as they call him. So, yeah, it's stuff. Yeah. It's stuff. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> the other thing, too, is I, as an example, like went on to the Facebook uh, group yep. uh, page and I just posted that the same post that I did on LinkedIn the day I left. And I said, also, you know, I'm working on this software idea. And if anybody is interested in, you know, when it comes out for testing, if anybody would be interested, I had more GoFundance members give me their phone number or their email address and ask me, you know, to reach out to them when this prototype's ready. Um, than any other place I posted, you know, that I, what I was doing. And so it just goes to show, you know, even in my GoPod, the four of us, when we talk about what is it we want to accomplish together, we're sort of all on the same page. And if I came up with a deal, like I just looked at a 42 unit in Salem, New Hampshire, about 10, 10 and a half million. And it just cash flow didn't, wasn't there, right? There were five cap <laughs> in Salem, New Hampshire. Yeah. So uh, I positioned it with the team. And they're all like, hey, look, if this works, we're in. Yeah, yeah. You know? How it goes. I said, you know, I did my due diligence. And I'm like, you know, I, I hate to come back and tell you that it's, that it's just it's not there. but and it will sell. I guarantee it'll sell. But I'm not going to position something that isn't going to make us money. We all have the same goal. We want cash flow. Right. Well, you know, seven percent isn't isn't going to do it. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 Completely agree. Right. No. Wow. No. That's very cool, though. That's I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear. It's, I mean, you're only a few months in, and you're getting so much value. Let's jump over to the one sheet sort of question. So we'll go pillar by pillar. We talked about horizontal income. You're all in on multifamily and real estate. Is there any other areas that you invest? Are you, are you in the stock market at all at this point? Or have you completely gotten out of it? Or maybe lessons learned and you're diving back in? Yeah, yeah. So I am still in real estate. In fact, I still try and keep a balance, although real estate is taking my portfolio and I'm way over, over invested in real estate, if you will. Which is why I want another sort of avenue of business. Hopefully, if I start the software business if it's successful, yeah. I'll have another avenue of, uh, of income, horizontal. Mm -hmm. But I started a portfolio. I told you about all the money I lost in the stock market. So when I rebuilt or redesigned the portfolio, it was all around sort of bigger blue chip 
uh, dividend-paying stocks. So I've built a fairly large portfolio of dividend-paying stocks that I've stayed invested in for the past, since 08. I haven't moved them. I've built a portfolio for each of my kids. They have their 529s and ETMAs, and they're all, they're all, you know, pages and pages of dividends. So I'm watching that for the kids, and hopefully they're old enough now to start teaching them what it's all about. Don't know if I'll expose, like, they each have their own financial statements, which imagine a 10-year-old has his own financial statement. <laughs> Why not? But they have, um, yeah. they have assets. You know, they have a pretty good amount of assets. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. And I, I don't do any active stock buying right now. Sure. I'm just sitting on and I, and I keep tabs on the companies that I'm invested in. Mm-hmm. But very similar to the buy and hold strategy with the real estate. You know, I bought the whole, like Warren Buffett, right? I bought into companies like Pepsi and Dominion and all these big companies that I know aren't going anywhere. Uh, I was an early stage investor in Facebook. And I think that is probably the most successful. Each of my kids have uh, a decent amount of Facebook. They're up 800%, although with the recent dip, they're going down a little bit. But, Bill. and, uh, you know, followed the principle where as soon as the stock went up enough, I took the money I initially invested off the table and left the rest to ride. Mm-hmm. And that money has, you know, gone up 800%. So I bought other stuff with money I originally bought Facebook with. That's really the only mad money stock I think I own in that portfolio uh, is Facebook. Everything else is pretty stable, dividend-paying companies. When you say you're over over invested in real estate, is there a target percentage that you go for in your portfolio, like of, of your net worth? Do you want like fifty percent in real estate, eighty percent, thirty percent? Is there is there a number that you target as far as how much of your net worth is in any one asset? Uh, you know, it's funny. I'd say 60, 65% I would like to get to. Mm. It's way, way beyond that right now. It's probably like 85, 90%. Um, and then the, the reason I, I'm fine with it is because it just, the cash flow. Yeah. So if you look at just the pure value of the asset itself, now we've been lucky and I've doubled the value of almost every property I own in the past five years. Yeah. That's not always going to happen. Yeah. So if you look at it just from an asset value perspective, you know, real estate's done well. Yeah. Uh, I don't invest for asset value appreciation. I, I, I invest for cash flow. So it's, it's a slightly different. Like, if I were to take a million dollars and buy Pepsi and get a 2% yield, <laughs> you know, it's not going to equal what real estate does, right? Right. Uh, 2-3%. So I'm not hoping to retire. On 401k, I think getting back to that conversation where I said I was a huge proponent of 401k, it may have been um, Grant Cardone that started me thinking about the fact that 401k is really a ripoff. It's uh, you know, it's taken people who really cannot afford uh, to invest and put put all the risk on their shoulders to manage their financial future. Uh, while Wall Street is getting richer and richer because more more inflow of cash is coming into these huge funds, they're making their money on the fees, right? They're getting rich. While you know the average investor who's working for a W two saving five percent of their income is never going to be retiring off of a four hundred one k. And even myself, I was thinking, well, maybe I'll up it to twenty percent. Well, that's still you know you're capped at you know what's it eleven, twelve, eighteen thousand? I think it is now. Like that, yeah, eighteen per year, five or something per year. Yeah, yep. You'd need, I figured I probably needed 4 million by, by retirement to live off 4% a year and be able mm-hmm. to retire at 65. I, I've made five times that in right. five years in real estate than I ever could have made in the stock market. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, in a 401k. No, so that makes perfect. It's funny, the 401k. It's like you get rolling with Ramsey and corrected by Cardone. I mean, like, you know, Dave Ramsey is the whole like, oh, just pay everything off, you know, invest in your 401k and all that stuff. And it's like you do that and it's great. You get debt free. But then you kind of learn about the power of good debt with a guy like Cardone. Right. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. Don't have the bad debt. Very Kiyosaki principles. Right. Like, you know, uh, uh, buy assets, not liabilities. Uh, So, yeah, fine. Get out of the credit card debt. But does it really make sense to pay your mortgage off at 
2.9% or whatever the hell the, more, the interest rate is today. Does it really make sense to do that? Or is debt really a bad thing? I mean, I know Ramsey got cleared out and for him, it's like, you know, but yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's an interesting point about the 401k being the thing. But mm-hmm. really, when you look at it, and I mean, have you ever read Money by Tony Robbins, Master of the Game? Yeah, yeah. He goes through really, really, in really, really good detail about like the failure, hidden failure. Like, yeah. Yes, exactly. Like that, like what 1% versus 1.5% does over the lifetime of, yeah. of your 401k. I mean, it's like it guts it. It's like it those kinds of half your really 401k sad. goes away. Yeah. I'm sorry? It was, it was those kinds of things that started me thinking. Yeah. You know, you hear Grant say something like that and it sounds, you know, very, you know, provocative. Yeah. Crazy, right? Yeah. Because that's all I was ever taught. And uh, to start to think, well, is that really a rip? You start really looking closely at it and you go, well, you know what? I will never actually be rich or be able to retire comfortably at the lifestyle I want um, until I'm 65, 70 years old. And Christ, do I want to wait that long? Right. So a lot of life to live, man. A lot of life to live. A lot, a lot of life, life, right? I love it. Let's go over to the age-defying health section. Uh, what, what's diet and exercise look like right now for you? I, I probably work out. So I've been I lift weights and, and powerlifting since I was 14, 15 years uh-huh. old. Yeah. You know, so I have all the injuries to show for it now, constant pain, but I still love to to work out. And um, I, I probably lift three, four days a week. And um, yeah, I'm in pretty good shape. I probably my my body fat is probably higher than I want, but it's because I don't actually do you know uh, cardio type stuff as much as I should. I like what's to your, what's that at now? What's your body fat percentage? Do you think? About twenty twenty two percent. Okay. All right. What's your body weight and height? Like, give me an idea of your your dimensions. I'm, I'm five nine one eighty five. Okay. All right. So you're you're stocky. Not really. No. It's just uh, <laughs> I've got. Um, my waist has gotten a little bit bigger, so I'm probably like a 33 waist. Yeah. But my chest is about 40, 44, 45. Makes sense. So That's big. You know, yeah, yeah like I, I used to be much, much bigger. My waist was a 30 and my chest was a 46. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, 16, 17 inch arms, but, you know, it's, uh, I'm not so much interested in bodybuilding per se anymore. Uh, even the even the heavyweight, you know, I just get too I get injured too often yeah. to be lifting, you know, five hundred pound squats and stuff. So I've I've scaled it back, and now I just enjoy a little bit more of the volume stuff. Makes sense. Makes sense. Let's go over to family. So you're married. You said three kids, correct? Three kids. Three kids. What are the age ranges? My oldest is seventeen, uh, almost going to be eighteen. My boy uh, in the middle. So I have a, my daughter's old, the oldest, Ella. My son is Jack. He's 13. And my youngest daughter is 11, Abby. Um, so yeah, they, uh, the two youngest play hockey. My middle guy plays the wrestles, baseball, hockey. Everything. My oldest does lacrosse. So yeah, they are uh, keep us busy. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. What's your wife do? She's a nurse, pediatric. Very nice. So she's not... For like 14 years at Children's Hospital in Boston. I was going to ask you. Yeah, she was works she... for her. What's that? I was going to ask you, is she Boston-based or is she up in... Is she, so she now works for who? She works uh, out of Andover now. She's at uh, pediatric in her, her our children's pedi- pediatrician's office. She works Got there it. now. Got she it. couldn't take man. the stupid hours you know, yeah. at, at the hospital. So yeah. don't need to do it anymore. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I love it. Um how about uh, uh, life happiness index? Where do you have that right now? And you know, maybe what's the lowest part of that? Uh, it's about a six point six. And let's see, my lowest part of it are the, the things that I. So music and dance is one of them. I love music, but I don't dance. <laughs> I put a six there. Okay. Um, my lowest. So. Uh, Chill lowest time. that you care about, you know, because like music and dance to me is like, if you don't care, then maybe it's a 10. Like, if that's not just something you want in your life, then, hey, it's right where I want it to be. It's a 10. Yeah. But what's the lowest that you care about? Chill time uh, is a four. Mm. Tell me about that. I don't chill, I don't chill well. Um, <laughs> I just, I just, uh, I don't enjoy relaxing. I'm too hyper. I want to get up and move. And or on days where I don't have anything to do, I will create a project. I'll mm. just do something busy. Even yeah. if it's mopping the floor or, you know, painting or something, I just cannot 
sit still. You know, my, the idea I have in my my brain of going on vacation and sitting on the shore with my feet in the water, reading a book and having a cocktail. I do that for about 15 minutes and then I need to go snorkel or something, you know? <laughs> I love that. I love that. When my wife jumped into the Go Wives community, that was one of the things she said. She's like, this is like a support group for other women who married psychos. She's like, that's, that's the, <laughs> like, at least it's not like they're talking about their experiences at home with their husband and like, oh my God, the guy just did it. She's like, oh, Thank God. I thought I thought I I lost the marriage lottery in some way. Like this guy just doesn't stop moving. Like what the hell is going on with him? But there's a lot of us in GoBundance. I think that suffer from that affliction. So chill time. That that resonates. Yeah. I completely get it. How yeah. about con- contribution? What are you doing from a contribution standpoint? I've been upping that. Um, I am not anywhere near where I want to be, but I do. Uh, one of my big big ones is uh, childhood hunger. Um, so it touches my soul, and I remember like Tony Robbins. That was one of his big goals, and and I sort of aligned to that. So I do a lot of giving um, to the Feeding America. I think is the one. Yeah. So I did a did a uh, fundraising event a couple of years ago for that. Given, you know, what I consider now to be a very small amount, I do a lot for uh, cancer and ALS. One of my friend's parents passed away from ALS, so. Um, Every year now, and I think now it's, it's more in front of my in my consciousness. Uh, I need to continue, and I find that even in my GoPod, we talk about that. And all of us are are we may be more than the average person, but considering you know our resources, we probably should be, if not giving more financially, certainly more of our time. You know, so, it's funny. I, they bring in the four hundred one k conversation full circle as you say that you had this mentor who, you know, wisely said, "Hey, keep your lifestyle the same, increase your your contribution. So put something, and then when I give you a two percent raise, just stick it in the in the four hundred one k." And then you learned about you know the four hundred one k, what it does, doesn't do, and people stay there. They stay safe in that lane. And I was I, you and I were both that person. Four hundred one k mindset, W two, all that good stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. But the fact that you've built wealth, the fact that you've gone out and you've taken the risk, and it is a risk to go out and purchase property and purchase, you know, uh, certain equities or whatever to build your wealth, right? Now, rather than just, you know, man, 2%, yay, I could throw into a 401k that may not ever do anything for me. You can now do that with this, right? With contribution. So every year, you know, you can up your contribution 2% and you're serving others more than you ever could by putting money in your 401k and then whatever you have left trying to contribute to other people, right? That, that, concept of building wealth, especially in the confines of what what we're this group we're, we're both a part of contribution, right? Like you can do that there. That's such a, I don't know why that struck me, but that's the true power of the dollar, right? Is how much you can up your contribution, not up your 401k. So anyway, if you have anything yeah, you want to say no. on that, go for it. But that just struck me. No, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny. I've never, as an, a small example, right? I'm a very like low level, but I've never coached one of my kids, uh, Sport, sporting teams where a lot of my friends' fathers, you know, have, right? And I always thought, like, what is it about me that's like, why am I not doing this as well, right? And I've just recently started, I talked to one of my my sons, U, U13 baseball coach, and I just happened to mention I'm putting together a, a conditioning program for the for the two of them. Like two for, he goes, would you want to do that with the team? And I said, wow, that would actually be sort of cool, like to to put together a conditioning program and just show up and, and run the kids through the conditioning. I don't know how many times a week or whatever, but I thought that's a way of giving back, right? I'm giving some of my time to charge for it, go out and get the equipment and, and show up and, and share my knowledge, right? Yep. And my and my passion for fitness. And so uh, I'm probably going to do that. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. Good for you, man. I'll tell you what, I, it's funny you say that. I coached my seven, now he's almost seven, but when he was four, I coached his soccer team. And um, I didn't intend to. I thought I was supposed to be helping. And then it was like, yeah, great. You're helping. Here's your team. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs> I'm coaching the soccer team. But uh, my second kid who just turned is about to turn four is joining his first soccer team. Um, and my wife didn't ask me to, but I was like, you know what? I, I got to do I did it for the first. I'm going to do it for the second guy. So I'm you know, going to be coaching again here pretty soon, which at four, <laughs> I, I can't do too much bad at four. Like, hey, just run that way, run that way. But beyond that, my, my knowledge is so, gone. But it, it's funny. Never intended to. Yeah, never yeah. intended to. I kind of got roped into it by accident. But I'm uh, to your point, like I, I'm so focused on that now. Like you got an, a soon to be 18 year old, a 13 year old. Like just the summers run out, man. They run out fast. 
And I'm trying to have those summers now. I've just learned this from a lot of guys in Go Abundance, right? Like, you know, they're they're scrambling for those last few summers because they they were in build mode. And I am too at this point with my kids and everything, but I want to make sure I do those things, even though, I mean, it does not. I know for them, it's the greatest thing in the world for me. For me, I don't love it, but, you know, I'll, I, I want to do it for them. I'll always have that memory. I can look back on the first one and say, hey, I did that. I coached the soccer team. I'll never yeah, do it again exactly. for you, but I did it yeah. once. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, let's wrap this up with a question from the Go, excuse me, the Go Abundance card game. And the question is, when did you not speak up when you really know you should have? When did you not speak up when you really know you should have on anything? Yeah, that's a good one. I always come back to, I don't know why, but I always come back to racial issues. Uh, they're always very sensitive to it. Um, and whether it be um, gender bias or homosexuality or whatever, I, I hear a lot of joking, um, especially like, out with guys and whatever and you hear it and, and I feel as though I should say something and a lot of times I don't because it's going to whether it was a joke or it wasn't a joke um, it's offensive could be offensive to people around us it's offensive to me and I just eat it as opposed to being the activist and I feel like there should be a little bit more activist in, in everyone to some extent and yeah. say it in a nice way so Sometimes I, I would tend to not say it in a nice way. <laughs> I try not to because I get heated quick in those type of situations. And if you get someone who's going to argue with you, um, I don't want to get into a big beef, you know, with someone. So I tend not to. But yeah, I think that would be one of my trigger points. Wow, man, that's deep. I like that. Thanks for sharing that. I mean, that, that, yeah, I resonate with that a lot. I'm in a, a mixed race relationship. My wife's, you know, Dominican. Oh. So, um, you know, our boys are mixed. And that's something I've talked to a couple of guys in the tribe about that are, are, you know, uh, diverse, you know, African American or, or Latino or whatever. It's like, hey, if there's folks in your network that we could bring in, let me know. Like, I'd be happy to talk to them because I think, you know, diversity of thought, diversity of background, all of that serves any community. And we're no, we're no different as a, as a, as a, you know, a men's tribe or the women's tribe or whatever the case may be. But man, that's deep. I like that. I like that. I mean, listen, living in Boston, there's a deep, I mean, myself, there's a deep history uh, of, mm -hmm. of racial divide and prejudice and all of that stuff. So yeah, I can imagine where, you know, the, 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 you know, especially if you're a 40 something or 50 something year old guy, you grew up in that, you know, you grew up in, yeah. It's okay to be, to make the joke or whatever the case may be, but we're in a different world in a great way. And um, man, that's powerful. I appreciate you sharing that. That's that's amazing. Yeah. And I'll Paul, tell you, my kids teach me more about sensitivity than anything else because they're just you know they're taught it in school. And uh, if I if I were to say not not say anything, but like not react appropriately to something, whether it be like I could say, "Wow, look at what that kid's wearing for shoes." And my daughter will correct me and say, why does that matter to you? And I'm like, oh, you're right. Why does it matter? To you? Why do I care? Right. Yeah. And so like, I'll get corrected all the time because, you know, people watching, like you said, in the airport, right. What are you people watching for? Because you love to see crazy things people do. And so you make a comment about it. Right. And your, your 17 year old daughter corrects you. Yeah. 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 That's true. No, that's great though. You're right. This is, it does seem like we're in a much more, more, um, uh, healthy era in that regard than when you and I grew up, right? Like when you and I grew up, it, bullying was just sort of accepted. It just oh, yeah. was, right? Whatever it might've been, because you look different, you sound different, you're from a different place, you're a different color. It was just sort of Anything. was, right? Yeah. Where now, I mean, it's like, bullies are like the villain out upon villain. Like, you know, you get, you're going to be called out. Like it is, I mean, not that it doesn't exactly. happen. I mean, there's still bullying and all that, but I'm, I, I, kids feel way more empowered today to have a sense of uh, uh, a righteous sense around bullying being wrong, or you know, like you said, with the, the shoes, like calling out these microaggressions or whatever, it's yeah. it's much it's yeah. much more it's much more uh, accepted now to do that than it was back then. Back then, you'd be a, an outcast, like just be cool, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> I love it, man. Paul, where can yeah. people learn more about you? Reach out, whatever you want to, whatever you want to leave with us for uh, for learning more about what you're doing. Sure. Um, so. Uh, Definitely through the GoBundance, uh, you know, Facebook page. Sure. Uh, I will soon have uh, my website up, 67properties.com, which uh, has a face right now. There's nothing more there. Um, my email is uh, 67propertiesllc 
at gmail.com. And that's the number six, seven properties. And I have the Twitter 67 properties or at 67 properties. So anything 67 properties is me. You got it. <laughs> I know you got to get going. You got an appointment coming up. I really appreciate uh, you being on getting to know you as well. And uh, next yeah, time I'm absolutely. back, back visiting the in-laws, I'll be sure to connect with you and the other guys in the area. That'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> absolutely. Thanks again. Cool. Man. Thank you. that's it for this episode, but be sure you subscribe for future episodes. Give us a rating and review as well. It just helps us grow the podcast, grow the reach, and give as much value as we can to you on a week-to-week basis. Be sure to go over and check out GoBundance.com while you're at it. Check out Emerge if you're a future millionaire, our elite division if you're in that $1 to $5 million range, or our champion division at $5 million plus. Or on the women's side, GoBundance Women is available for all of you to join an amazing group of millionaire entrepreneurial women. And if you haven't already, jump on tribeofmillionaires.com and order the book that is the namesake of this podcast and you'll learn all about what this whole GoBundance thing is, what masterminds are about, and the power of community, accountability, connection, and all of that as you pursue your goals. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon. 